Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, we have a terrific show today. But before we get started, just a few words to my producer, Lori, whose mother just went into hospice care, and she's with her now. Lori, all of us here send much love and many blessings at this very, very difficult time. All right. I have Lisa with me today. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Jane. How are you today? I am fine. How are you? I'm amazing. So we have a great show on tap today, right? It's fantastic. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of my first guest. He's making his second appearance on this show. In fact, if you look at my website, janewilkinsmichael.com, his picture on it is bigger than mine. That's how big a fan I am. We all know him simply as Dr. Phil. He is the host of the number one daytime talk show, Dr. Phil. Aside from the gazillion other things he does, including writing best-selling books, I can't mention all his accomplishments and accolades because we don't have 12 hours of airtime today. So I'm just going to say it is an honor and a privilege to welcome once again the one, the only, Dr. Phil McGraw. Dr. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, Jane, it's good to talk to you again. I was listening earlier. Please uh Extend my thoughts and prayers to Lori. I, I heard you saying that her mother was going into hospice, so tell her I, I, I send her good thoughts. Oh, that's so nice. Well, she'll listen to the show. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, you know, Dr. Phil, we've had a lot of guests on the show, and, and between us, not to be repeated, you are my all-time favorite, just so you know. Well, thank you. <laughs> But, but, Dr. Phil, that said, and I hope you don't mind, there might be someone out there who gives you a little competition in this area, and that would be your beautiful bride of 40 years, Robin McGraw. How is she? She's doing great, and boy, I tell you, she, she, loves, she loves you and loves talking to you. Oh, well, she is the best. And, you know, Dr. Phil, you are so, you're both so devoted, not only to your work, but to your children, your grandchildren, and to each other. And it's so lovely to see. So please, please send Robin my best. All right, Dr. Um, Phil, let's talk about the topic at hand, which is diabetes too, which is unfortunately so very prevalent in America today. We know a lot about you from your show, of course, but the one thing that perhaps everyone in the entire world does not know is that you have lived with type 2 diabetes for over 25 years. And last year, you teamed up with the giant pharma AstraZeneca and their On It movement, which encourages adults with the disease to make a personal commitment to living a healthier lifestyle, which is so very important. I always say genetics may load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. So tell us, if you will, a little bit about 
about the journey that led to a diagnosis of diabetes and, and ultimately living a healthier lifestyle yourself. Well, I will, and I, I, I'll tell you that in retrospect, I was diagnosed over 25 years ago, but once I was diagnosed, it became very clear to me that I had probably had type 2 diabetes for at least five years before I was diagnosed, and I've since learned that that is the norm. That's more common than not uh, because people don't know the warning signs. They don't know the red flags, and I certainly did not. Um, at the time, I was working out twice a day. Um, <clears throat> I was working out every day, seven days a week, twice a day, three or four days a week, and um, my weight was in line. Everything was fine, but in the middle of the afternoon, I was just crashing and I, I could not understand why, and it got so bad that I went to um, finally went to see my doctor, who was a good friend of mine and one of my tennis buddies. And he came in and said, I got good news and bad news. And the bad news is there is something wrong. It's type 2 diabetes for which there is no cure. The good news is you can absolutely manage this if you will. And I got real busy. Um, the internet wasn't really prevalent at the time and he gave me lots of articles and I went to the library and uh, feeling like knowledge is power, figured out everything I could about type 2 diabetes and got real active in managing it. <clears throat> and what we have on uh, this AstraZeneca website, the onitmovement.com, is really the culmination of that 25 years plus of experience I've kind of boiled down everything that worked for me over those years into six really detailed action-oriented steps to help people manage their type 2 diabetes. Because, mm -hmm. Jane, as, as you know, right. 28 million Americans have it, 86 million are at risk for it. That's damn near a third of our population. Now, let's talk about these six rules. Um, what are they? Well, the first one is moving forward, and by that I mean there's a stigma associated with this, and that's because a lot of people feel judged, um, because this is a disease that some people consider to be um, a disease of choice, because they think it's because, you know, you've not exercised, you've not taken care of yourself, you've not had a healthy diet. Uh, so a lot of people feel like they're to, they blame themselves, they feel judged by others. And so the first step that I have in there is, look, this is what it is, and you don't have time to feel guilty, you don't have time to feel shame. This Don't be in denial. This is a disease that's going to be with you for the rest of your life, barring some breakthrough cure. So let's just accept it for what it is. So you got to move past all that because um, you, you're never going to change what you don't acknowledge. So acknowledge you've got this and let's change where you are. And number two is get educated. Knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. So you've got to really understand type 2 diabetes and you because everybody's different. It's going to impact you differently than it would me. So you got to really 
get yourself educated. And then third is build a team. That starts with your doctor. But, you know, you mentioned Robin. She's real active. She's real active as a, one of my team members. One of the things I did a real bad job of was spreading my meals out over the day. I'd go sometimes till four in the afternoon before I had anything to eat. And then I would weigh overeat in one meal. And that's not good for anybody, certainly for a type 2 diabetic. And Robin's a member of my team. She would beat me at the door with breakfast, which is a protein shake for me. You got to get a team and, and educate them as to what they can do to help you. And and your spouse, family members are really important members of your team. Right. And good health benefits uh, everyone, right? I mean, it's... it's well, it does. And, yeah. You know, if they, some of the things that are good for a type 2 diabetic are good for everybody. <clears throat> well, fourth is replace bad habits because clearly, like for me, I was feast or famine. I had to replace bad habits. And then five is make a plan. And then six is stick with it. And uh, sometimes it's harder to stick with it than others, like during the holidays. Like now we're coming into summertime, lots of backyard barbecues and homemade ice cream and stuff like that. You got to recognize that those are kind of high temptation times, and you got to redefine rewards when you're a type two diabetic. Because, come on, uh, if I eat what you might be able to eat as a as a reward, it's going to make me sick. Where it just mm-hmm. might be a reward for you. So I have to redefine what a reward is. Yeah. That is that is very true, and I also, uh, Doctor Phil, there are psycho. There is a psychological impact of dealing with 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 any uh, chronic illness. I would think, and and for the most part, people would say, uh, "Why me?" You know, you feel like a victim almost many times, and I think uh, we all feel like we're victims of of something. So I guess the goal is to go from victim to to being victorious, as it were. Well, that's exactly right. And what makes people feel stressed and victimized is when they feel like there's nothing they can do. And that's just not the case with type 2 diabetes. There are things you can do. When you get active and you execute these six steps that I'm talking about, you can minimize the impact of this disease in your life. You work with your doctor. You do the things that you need to do. And I have to tell you, there's not anything in my life that I could do before that I can't do now. Uh, I, w- I was a pilot before. I'm a pilot now. I scuba dive before. I scuba dive now. I was an active and competitive tennis player before. I'm an active competitive tennis player now. I, everything I did before I can do now because I manage this, and so I don't feel limitations in any way. Now, I didn't add scuba diving to your accomplishments. I didn't realize that. Now, see, there are other things I don't know about you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> uh, so, I, I love the scuba. For, for, the, for the next show. Now, um, now, okay, if you don't mind, Dr. Phil, let's get personal here. Per, pretend I'm on your show. Dr. Phil, my husband does not listen to me. He says I nag him. And this is after 45 years of marriage. You know, talking to him is like talking to a wall. Now, he will listen to the show because you're on it. 
and he's he's taking much better care of himself since his heart attack. In fact, he got himself in such good shape, his cardiologist called him a specimen, and I don't mean the kind you leave at the doctor's office. But I still think he eats too much sugar. You know, most of us do. They say the average American eats 39 teaspoons a day, which is a heck of a lot of sugar. Please tell him and everyone else who's listening how bad sugar is for your health in general. Well, listen, I think sugar is the white devil. And for a type 2 diabetic, for me, every diabetic is different. Every type 2 diabetic is different. They react, have different levels of reactivity. But I think people in general and type 2 diabetics in particular, our bodies are not equipped to process sugar. And you go through a withdrawal when you stop eating sugar and processed sugar. For the first two or three days, you go through withdrawal like you would from caffeine or or some other drug. But I can tell you that I used to eat a, a lot of sugar cakes and pies and things like that. And I grew up in the South, and my mother would fix us sweet tea um, and if I, once I withdrew from that, if I drink that now, it tastes like maple syrup. Yeah. Once you withdraw from it, once you get away from it and, and cleanse your body of it and cleanse your palate of it, you then look back and say, I cannot believe I was putting that in my body. And seriously, if you brought sweet tea to me now, I would pour it on pancakes. But then I couldn't eat the pancakes because <laughs> they're not good. <laughs> that is so true. I like maple syrup, though. What can I tell you? But I guess the bigger picture is how do you say to, let's say, your husband or your wife or your loved one or whoever you you want to uh, to help, uh, if they don't want to do it, it's very hard for them to <clears throat> To, to convince them? Do you get someone else to sort of do it? Because I think if you've been married a long time or you're in a relationship, the, the other person just sort of shuts out and, and you can nag them all you want. And they're not going to listen to you, which is unfortunate because <laughs> I think I make a lot of sense, I must say. Uh, oh, I listen to everything Robin says. <laughs> of I course. have seen no. Bob listen to this show. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> I hope she's not listening, but I'll give you a trick. You want a trick? Yes. Here's a trick. When you tell somebody they need to do something or they should do something, there's a natural defensiveness that goes up. But if you will tell them, and this is the trick, tell them they deserve it instead of they need it, it makes a big difference. Now, that sounds like semantics, but I will promise you, if you can tell them, listen, I want you to do this because you deserve better. It really takes down the walls and takes down the defensiveness. As simple as that sounds, you you try it and then you send me a note and tell me if it didn't make a difference. All right, well, I'm going to do it right now. Bob, you deserve to drink more water while you're at it. How's that? Will he listen? You deserve, you deserve to be healthier. You deserve to take better care of yourself. You deserve the fruits of all of these things that make you feel better. So I, I just want you to do it because you deserve it. 
All right. I'm going to, I will be back in touch with you because I think it's true. He doesn't like to, he doesn't like to be nagged and, and I guess nobody, nobody does. And he feels that for whatever reason, if I tell him to drink more water, uh, it's to, you know, it's for my purposes, which of course it isn't, or, or, you know, not to eat as much sugar, but, and you will probably agree. It's so amazing how much sugar is in everything. You get a little yogurt, it's 12 grams and a little six ounces. It's a lot of sugar. So I guess you also have people don't realize how much sugar is hidden. And that's where I talk about uh, educating yourself as a type 2 diabetic. If, if you go to the store and get a can of green beans, look how much sugar's in there. You think, what, sugar in green beans? Yeah. Read the back of the can. You'd be surprised how much sugar's in there. And it's sneaky sugar. You can sugar is in ketchup, sugars in mustard, sugars in everything, even innocuous things that you think couldn't possibly have sugar. So as you say, you have to be very aware of what's in so. it. Yeah, you can walk away from cakes and pies, and that doesn't solve the problem. You've got to be very conscious of passively getting sugar intake. Now, Dr. Phil, if I might, I want to bring your beautiful wife back in again. I, I always feel that we have two choices to make each day, make excuses or make something happen. And I remember Robin telling me there's a huge difference between expecting happiness to come to you because you deserve it and going out and getting the happiness you believe you deserve. And unfortunately, life isn't always unicorns and glitter. You know, we're all thrown curveballs from time to time. And, and just when you think you know what's coming, the, the occasional, the occasional uh, change up. My question is, uh, and how do you manage uh, with all you do uh, on a day-to-day basis not to, to dwell on, on the negative and, and find happiness? Not, not you. I mean, how do you suggest we manage to find that happiness? We're kind of a negative. We're living in sort of a negative time as we speak. Yeah, we're living in pretty chaotic time, that's for sure. And right. I, you know, I, I think, um, let me tell you, what upsets people, and this takes a minute, but stick with me here. What upsets people is not what happens. What upsets people is when you violate their expectations. If, if I have you close your eyes and tell you I'm going to put something sweet in your mouth, and I put something salty, you're going to have a big reaction. Mm-hmm. But if I close your eyes and tell you I'm going to put something sweet in your mouth, and I put something sweet in your mouth, you're going to have no reaction. What upsets people is not what happens. It's when you violate their expectations. So if you have a young couple that they get married and they think it's going to be just rainbows and puppies the whole time, and they get married and have a good but realistic marriage, they're going to be in shock because they were expecting rainbows and puppies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you violated their expectancy. It's not that there's anything wrong with the marriage. You just violated their expe- expectancies. So what you have to do, particularly in this day and time, is manage your expectations. You have to make certain that you are not being Pollyannish. You have to make sure that you're not being unrealistic. You've got to make sure you're not setting yourself up for failure by creating expectations that simply aren't going to happen. that's, That's why I say perfectionists are so flawed, because there is no perfection. If you expect perfection from yourself, mm-hmm. you are guaranteed to be disappointed because there, there is no perfection. You know, I, point number six on 
my plan for managing type two diabetes to stick with it. Mm-hmm. But I've spent I've spent a lot of time today talking to people about what to do when you don't do what you're supposed to do, because the truth is there are going to be times that you don't. There are times that I know I need to eat four or five small meals a day, but I'm not going to do that all the time. I'm going to get busy, and I'm going to blow it. And if I expect myself to be 100% compliant, I'm guaranteed to be disappointed. So you have to manage your expectations if you want to be happy. I'm not saying settle for less. I'm just saying manage your expectations and be prepared to deal with something that comes along that's less than you wish it was. Let's talk for a moment uh, about stress. And, and, you know, if long-term stress, if left unresolved, has more impact on your health than I think eating a double cheeseburger, not to encourage, of course, my husband to get any ideas. And you had some wonderful advice about dealing with stress and and not to let what others say uh, about you bother you. In fact, you said you'll worry less about what people think of you when you realize how seldom they actually do. Can you share other advice on, on how to manage stress in your life? Yeah, you know, I, I, that's something that I really have focused on because, um, you know, I spent a lot of my practice when I did practice on chronic disease management. And again, I, I think that my overall health, I'm not glad that I have type 2 diabetes, but I have to tell you, I think my overall health is probably enhanced by my vigilance to my body and my health because of my type 2 diabetes. And one of the things that can send blood sugar uh, really going awry is stress. And it can really it can really create havoc with you. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Think about this. For every thought you have, there is a physiological correlate. And here's an example. I want your readers, your listeners to do this right now. Think about biting into a really crisp dill pickle. Mm-hmm. Just think about doing that right now. And, I mean, really think about it. It's going to be crunchy, and you're going to, you're going to feel your teeth going down through it. You're going to feel the vinegar explode into your mouth. You can smell the dill. And... If you're thinking about it, what happens? You start salivating. Why? Nobody touched you. Nobody put anything in your mouth. You just had a thought, and there was a physiological correlate. Your salivary glands secreted when you had that thought. That's just an obvious example of how for every thought there's a physiological correlate. And if you are thinking stressful thoughts, particularly over and over and over, your body is responding to that stress. Uh, you're, you're secreting adrenaline. You're secreting cortisol. You're getting muscle tension, which is creating lactic acid. Your body is changing because you're experiencing stress mentally and emotionally. So when you talk about stress, it's not just a psychological phenomenon it is a physiological phenomenon as well. So if you're in a situation where you're under high stress levels for long periods of time, you are eroding your body 
and and you need to get out of that situation somehow. Now maybe you learn to con- contend with it, you learn to deal with it, or maybe you get away from the stressors. And the stressor is what puts demand on the body, and stress is the reaction to the stressors. So you just have to say, if, if I'm in a high-stress situation, how can I get away from the stressors? Because it's changing my body. If your body's in heterostasis, like a type 2 diabetic, for example, if your blood sugars are fragile and volatile and you get into stress, then it, it's going to really change. If you have a heart condition, if you have uh, essential hypertension, if, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, you have any of these things and you get in a high-stress situation, you're going to exacerbate an ex- a pre-existing condition, which means it behooves you to, A, escape the stress, and, B, learn some stress management techniques. So that is that is wonderful, wonderful advice. Dr. Phil, um, any final words to live by before I let you go? Well, just this. Um, we don't have to be passengers when you become a type 2 diabetic. You don't have to be a passenger. You can get up and get your hands on the wheel, and you can steer this bus. And I, I think I really have very common sense steps at onitmovement.com. And you know me, I put verbs in my sentences. I don't talk about things in an abstract way. I say, here are some things to do. And I think if people will go to um, that website and read through that, and I've got videos on there where I talk about it and talk about my life and how it's dealt with. Uh, If I can change a diabetic's course the type 2 diabetics course uh, through their life, then this has been worthwhile, and that's what I want to do. And I cannot thank you enough for letting me get up on my soapbox and beat my drum about this because I'm very passionate about it. Oh, Dr. Phil, thank you so much for being with us. You have now cemented your status of being my all-time favorite. <laughs> thank you. And please. Right, give, I'll take that. Give my love to Robin. Please, please do. I will, Jane. Thank you so much, and uh, oh. we'll talk to you soon. That's our show, everyone. Thank you again, Dr. Phil. Thank you, Lisa, for being with me today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I'll see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins-Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.